everybody. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast. We're providing you fearless B2B sales, marketing, and management insights. Uh, today, we're here talking with Sarah Evans and Jason Scales from Lincoln Electric Education uh, to really dive into how they approached the reopening process over the COVID crisis. Um, obviously, it's something that's affecting most businesses, especially in you know B2B and manufacturing that uh, they kind of have that essential status, and we're you know really excited to dive in and learn about how one of the biggest and best companies in the business did it. Um, so, with that said, uh, Sarah and Jason, love to hear a little bit more about yourselves um, before we jump into some of the questions. Go ahead, Jason. Great. Well, hey, thanks, Colton. So, Jason Scales with Lincoln Electric Company, and I manage the global education business for Lincoln Electric. And that ranges everything from our welding technology training center based in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, to our uh, educational products that we sell in the education space, uh, and also the services that we offer to the education market as well. Uh, so we're, we're really active in education. Um, and, and as we entered this era of COVID-19 with this pandemic, uh, we had to really think through some of the challenges that a lot of our friends in education are are having to, to experience and really work through. So we thought, you know what, why don't we just tell our story uh, along with everybody else so that we can all learn from each other as we as we navigate these new waters that we're in. Thank you, Jason. Sarah, how about you? Uh, Sarah Evans, so I've been with Lincoln Electric for 16 years. Um, I am the sales and marketing manager in education. And um, like Jason said, there's there, we have a lot of customers, and, and not only customers, but then ourselves too with our Weld School that re have reached out to us asking us, how do we get started again? What did you guys do? And that's where we really help, um, help them by, by utilizing some of Dean Houston's resources to help us get things moving on the marketing side. Okay, so... Safe to say, Sarah, you were kind of helping lead the charge on the, the messaging and communication side to, to figure out how to address the market. That's uh, no easy task with everything considered. So, you know, thanks for a little bit of bio there. So, you know, for the, the audience's context, Lincoln Electric, you know, many of you probably already know who they are, um, but uh, one of the largest manufacturing companies on the planet. Um, but the education side, and, and Jason, this is something that you hit on, you know, it almost created a unique situation, right? That uh, not only do you guys sell, develop, and, you know, run R&D on a lot of education products, but you do have a school facility as well. Um, you know, so you've got students coming in, you've got, you know, faculty as well as business personnel those first few days when, you know, everything kind of rolled out with the announcement of, you know, COVID and, and how it was impacting business, what went through your head? You know, what, uh, what did those first few days look like? Well, more of it was about where do we really fit in, right? So when the states and the feds started making rules or recommendations around education, it really was tied to the K through 12 education system and more of your public schools. And whereas we are a private school that's run by uh, a company, do we follow those rules? Are we looped into that K through 12 uh, scenario? Or should we follow what the community colleges are doing or what the other trade schools are doing? So it's really more about where do we fit in? Uh, because you know we run two types of programs. 
one is yes, we do run a uh, an open class where we do have uh, people that have never welded before want to learn welding, become a certified welder. They can come to Lincoln Electric and do that. But we also run a lot of customized courses or you know courses that we run for our industrial partners uh, where they need a, to learn about a specific process or a piece of technology that we sell into the marketplace or you know more about the uh, the theory of welding or, or those things so probably about 80% of the people that we service out of our organization really come from industry it's a small percentage of people that come from the public that we service uh, through our school so when you consider that against a public school that that's being run by the states or by the feds then you know we really had to determine where do we best fit in so once we kind of thought about that it's really what is our social obligation as we're going through this time of COVID-19. And we called it, I talked with a lot of our peers that are in the same position that we are. And, uh, you know, we decided that, look, we, this is growing of a concern. Public schools are shutting down. Community colleges are shutting down. So we probably need to take a pause. Uh, so that's what we chose to do. We took a pause for a short time while we could determine what are the, what are the things that we need to do to keep everybody safe. Because that's the most important thing. Number one, we want to keep our employees safe. We want to keep our students safe. And, and as long as we can do that in a, in a manageable way, then maybe we can reopen. But we needed time to really figure that out. So is it, uh, is it safe to say then that, you know, so you, you pause and kind of, I'm assuming when you mean by pause to shut the facility down. Um, is that, that correct? At least that's that correct. That's now? correct. In fact, a lot of our employees started to work from home. Uh, some of our instructors were able to, to go across the street to the plant and, and, and continue working in the plant. Uh, so we, we kind of took care of our employees to make sure everybody was safe, uh, everybody was still via, you know, working and, and still being functional for our school. But we still had new employees going through some, some of our classes just as we do an onboarding process. Uh, but then, what, what do you do, right? How, how are you going to reopen under COVID-19? What does that really mean? And, Oh my gosh, if, are we gonna have now lanes of, of, of traffic? How many students can we have in a classroom? Well, the state put out a, uh, you can only have up to 10 people in a room together at one time. But what does that mean for students? And, and how are you gonna migrate back out to the welding booths themselves? And oh my gosh, can we put stuff online? How do we put stuff online? I, we don't do a lot of online distance learning. Well, what does that mean, right? So there were so many questions and so many concerns that were coming up that, you know, we just had to kind of pause and, and, and think about it and, and what can we do to, to, to really bring students back in a safe manner. Now, and you, you hit on a, a term there, I think, that, that it's been something that's on everybody's mind, kind of social responsibility with that. And you know, you, you think about all the different things you had to do to start to make sense of it, right? Were you in the team out there doing research and you had mentioned, you know, that, that weird intersection of education and industry, but I think a lot of like getting people back into the weld booth, even though it's for training, you know, that's probably very similar to what a lot of manufacturers have to go through and think about. Um, so how did you start to get processes and procedures in place for Lincoln Electric then? I mean, was it just 
listening, learning, and research? Or what did that process look like? Was there a lot of internal communication? Was it formal? Uh, what, did, what did that that look and feel like? Well, first off, I mean, we had to, we had to understand what is a CDC saying about what we can do and how to effectively bring students back. And if you remember, when we went into this COVID shutdown around the middle of March, it was about another month before the CDC really released how schools could open safely and manage students going through schools. So we also at Lincoln Electric have our own internal environmental health and safety division within Lincoln Electric that we really used as a, a sounding board. Uh, Adam Webb, who is the manager of our welding technology training center, worked daily with them to come up with procedures and guidelines that we could follow. And then, of course, we also reached out to our peers in, in this in, that's in our type of education and sector to see what they were doing as well. But, you know, you, you have to look at the landscape. And the, the challenge that came out with this one was there really wasn't time to do research and development. It's not like I've got to, I can go create a new product and I'm going to spend 12 months. I'm going to vet it. I'm going to try it out and, and we're going to do this. Th this is really one of those environments that you just got to jump in and, and do it. And, and you almost have to just deal with the consequences of that choice as they may arise. And when I mean consequence, it's not a consequence of putting somebody uh, in an unsafe environment. That was never the case. It's a consequence of if I, if I move this class online, are all my learners going to be engaged? Will I have the same level of learning from all my learners if they're learning online versus face-to-face? And if you think about welding education, you know, we do have a certain demographic of learners that come into welding. Uh, and, and typically, we're kinesthetic learners, we're visual learners, we, we like to, to, to be in that engaged one-on-one -on -one environment. And sometimes online is just not the best environment for uh, most or many of our learners. And that's what I meant by you have to just trial and error and learn the best ways. Uh, but, we, but we managed through that and we learned, uh, and luckily we were able to bring our students back and, and have them in, 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 a, in really a, a lecture-style environment uh, to how we were able to manage our students. So, No, that, uh, and, I, and I think there was something really important there, like safety always being paramount, but then having a team like Adam, you know, and, and I know both of you, Sarah and Jason, through our conversations, been super engaged with this, but it sounds like what was really key there was making decisions, but staying conscious and engaged with how things were playing out on a daily basis to iterate, you know, and continue to let things evolve and be very active. In that. Um, so, you know, the plan to reopen, you know, kind of came, you know, and that, that was created through all those conversations. How did that start to, to play out? What were the first steps when the doors opened up again? Well, we had to practice. I mean, literally, we, we had to think about um, if, if everybody has a social distance coming into the building, you have a dedicated lane and doorways for students to come in. If we have to process 40 students into the building, meaning they have to answer a survey coming in, you have to ensure they have their face covering on. Then they've got to go get their temperature taken. Then they've got to check in and find out what classroom they're supposed to go to. Then they're supposed to navigate down the hall a very specific way 
to make sure we maintain social distancing and we're not inter inter interrupting the flow. And the, the challenge is, you know, our school was designed pre-COVID, so it really wasn't designed with social distancing in mind. We didn't think about, you know, beltways where students could pass and have six-foot distance between them. None of that stuff existed. How are you going to make sure the students stayed on one side of the hall or the other? Um, but So we had to practice. You know, what's that time intake look like? And then we knew that we had to stagger the classes coming in so that we could spread that that time out that students were actually entering the, the, the Welding Technology Training Center, uh, getting that flow correct and, and getting them through. The, the good thing was, and what benefited us, and I think it's gonna benefit many schools as they start to reopen, is this is not a new phenomenon now. Meaning that everybody had time at home. I mean, the, the, the face mask was not a new phenomenon. People had to understand social distancing. There were rules about economies opening up. So this was nothing new or drastically gonna change their lives when they showed up to school. And if you think about the, a, a reverse situation where something happens and you have to react and the next day, everybody has to show up with a face covering, everybody has to go into the school a certain way, everybody has to be managed, that's a very difficult situation to be in. There was a little bit of preparedness by students to be able to come back in this kind of climate that did help. It, it did help our students. Yeah, I could, have, could imagine, but again, I like that. I think that you continue to hit on this insight where it's like you need to stay conscious, you need to pay attention. And, and you know, as things start to go, like you said, practice, 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 and continue to, to iterate and get better. And I think that whether you're a, a business, you know, an education facility, somebody that lives in the middle of both, you know, such as yourselves. I mean, that is a huge insight for the audience there where right. you, know, you need to make decisions with safety first and then continue to optimize as time goes on. I, I think that's a huge insight. You know, I, I and there's a, you, you've hit on this and Sarah, I'll, I'll I'll pick on you a little bit here because I, I know a few projects that you've been very close to. But Jason, one of the things you mentioned was like connecting with peers and other organizations to learn. Sarah, I, I know you've been kind of driving uh, Lincoln Education's messaging and how you've been positioning this to the market. How important has that been in, in like the peer networking and communicating with other organizations? And, and what has Lincoln Education done to be part of kind of the greater welding education and manufacturing community with all this going on? So um, one of the first things that, that actually Jason drove was the CTE Coalition. So I'll let him talk about that in just a second. So that's one of the first things while at home, uh, as we were figuring out how to reopen the school, we were trying to figure out how to keep customers going, right? Um, some of the other things we did was immediately start working with some of many of our partners to understand what they were dealing with so that we could think up ideas that would not only help us, but help them too and help us help them address um, those things uh, in our own practice too. So I, I know that our, um, our manager of the Weld School, Adam Webb, uh, he'll talk to you about how often they had to change things every single time they would they would put a process in place and they try it out. It seems good on paper, but then try it out and it wasn't good, right? So sharing those 
those different procedures and processes that other people had um, in place, listening to a lot of different webinars, just watching a webinar and seeing, okay, if you're, if you're watching a webinar, what goes well, what doesn't go well, so that when you're doing your own, uh, you can think through that. So, so practice there too before you actually do one. Um, so it, it, we, we have talked to a lot of partners, and I'm going to flip it over to Scales on the CTE Coalition and, and what we did that right off the bat there uh, with a, a, a lot of different partners of ours. Yeah, so the, the challenge was is that we knew that students were going home and they needed to learn from home. And as I said before, in welding education, typically our students are, are more adapt to the lecture style um, presentation, demonstrations, and then go repeat, right? And so even our welding instructors, how adapt were they to getting material online or did they even know where the material is or content? So the idea came up on a Saturday morning is, can we get some partners that have access to online content I mean, can we stand it up for a short period of time just to get, you know, nobody knew, is this going to be a three-month phenomenon, a, a two-week phenomenon? What does this really look like? So we thought if, if we can stand up some content or access to content to get, to get schools to the finish line for this school year, would that be a benefit? And that's where the CTE Coalition came into play. So Skills USA was part of it, Haas uh, CNC, we had uh, NC3, the National Coalition of Certification Centers. So we brought together a lot of partners in this that we stood up a website very quickly. It launched off to each one of the different uh, 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 partner sites to where they could have, gain access immediately to that content. Uh, and, and it helped. I mean, that, that was something that really helped out the schools. And now, as we kept going through this cycle of COVID-19, we kept learning that this is probably not short term, and this is not likely to be going away anytime soon. So that's when we realized we're going to have to reopen under completely different guidelines, under a completely different look, uh, with a different structure. And just as we've done in the past, the, the great thing about uh, what I love about Lincoln Electric is we're not afraid to share what we've learned. We're not afraid to say, you know what, we kind of messed up over here. Don't do this one. But we really had success over here when we, when we found this out and we tried it this way. And so we're, we're very open about that. And I thought, you know what, if, if we're going to get schools and help schools and guide them to being open under a new, uh, this new pandemic or this new environment, then let's just start an open conversation about it. And let's share what we found out, what we've done, and they continually just keep feeding that information out to the uh, to the public. Uh, I think that's an incredible thing, Jason. I mean, you said it started on a Saturday morning, so I immediately get this vision in my head of you with a bowl of Lucky Charms watching cartoons coming up with this idea, you know. But uh, in all seriousness, I think, you know, to hear the story of all these different organizations, you know, in, in kind of sharing a common goal of educating, you know, the, the future of skilled tradespeople. Um, but all coming together to figure out how to solve this problem, you know, that's extremely inspiring. And I, again, like we keep going back to this insight, but, but that idea of collaboration and working with different organizations in your industry and learning from each other, I mean, that's coming together as one to, to win over something like this. That's very powerful, you know, so, so what are some of the, 
the other specific ways, like you mentioned, Jason, that uh, the, the Lincoln has not been specifically Lincoln education, hasn't been afraid to tell their story. What were some of the ways that you mobilized content assets to get that out there so other organizations could start to learn? We just, I mean, you just almost have to put your head down and just start doing it. Uh, and don't think about it too much. Because as you start thinking about it, you start complicating the situation. And so it just has to be organic. And this, and really, I mean, we've never been through a pandemic like this in our generation. We've never seen public schools shut down in this manner uh, in the modern era. We have not seen the world just com contract and and borders shut down and all these things happening simultaneously. So it's not that you have to overthink anything. It's just, all right, let's look at what's going on around us. Let's get a view of the lay of the land. Um, what are the rules that we have to live by now? And, and how are we gonna make this work? And again, some things we're gonna get right and some things we're gonna get wrong. But number one, you always keep the students safe and you always keep your faculty and your employees safe. That's number one. Anything we do after that, you know, some things, again, are gonna work very well. Some things you can't change because it's just the environment we have to live in now. The fact that I can only have 12 students in a classroom now, that's real. How am I gonna to learn to deal with that? Because that may be here for six months, maybe here for 12 months, I, I don't know. Uh, but the thing is, I think is as we have an open dialogue, about this I think it's a healthy dialogue because I think there's still just a lot of people reeling about how to do this and guess what this is not just a US phenomenon so all of our subsidiary companies around the world are dealing with this we're we're working with folks in the in Southeast Asia we're working with folks in in the Middle East we're working in Europe so it's not a US phenomenon and, and you think about the challenge that we're in right now and it's, it's gonna have to be dealt with, and, and we're still trying to figure out how to deal with it. But we teach people skills, and the skills that you have to manage are dealt with by these two things called your hands. And we learn those skills by doing and repeating those skills, and they can't be learned virtually. They can't be honed via online education. They, they can't be honed, so, we, so this whole new world is gonna be how are we really going to transfer knowledge and skills to those new learners and certify them and make them really productive people out there in the working world? What does that mean for the future? And, and I think you look across the healthcare field, you look across manufacturing, you look across construction, uh, mechanics, how we do this is now going to forever change. And we just have to get used to that idea and start thinking about this in different ways and sharing those ideas. That's the only way we're gonna get through this. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and you talk about, you know, like needing your two hands to, to really learn, especially in a context like this. You know, and, and you know, we always think about technology and, and how technology can help fill some of those gaps or maybe even help, you know, allow people to be productive in a social distancing environment with some of the headcount restrictions and things like that. I mean, we know Lincoln Education has some really incredible products that can help do, you know, things like that. And I think diving into that a little bit might be really valuable for the audience to, to get some examples on how maybe technology has helped you. I mean, through things like, 
you know, the vertex and virtual reality welding. I know that you've got some, some tools out there like Checkpoint. I mean, how are you all using technology that, that maybe has been already out in the market for a while to address this new phenomenon? Right. That's, that's a great question. So I think there's two aspects to this. One is you have your K through 12 system. They are going to teach students on campus. There's no ways around that one. They're going to have students on campus. And that's going to be for the full day. And so how do we use technologies in a different way to get them truly to understand concepts, understand skill sets, all of that. And you can use virtual reality. Uh, you can use different forms of technology. But that'll be really controlled between the, the instructor and the student. And, and that may not change very much. But how we can enrich that education environment, uh, that's how we use the virtual, virtual reality welding, uh, checkpoints, some of the other technologies we have. But when I go to post-secondary, to the community college system or the trade schools, this is really where you're gonna to start to see a shift in the style of education. So a lot of the schools we're talking to have told us the knowledge learning will be done off campus, meaning the students will be engaged learning, uh, but they will not be on the school campus. But they will come to school to do the skill development part. So in welding, we may teach the concept and theory of welding off-site through distance learning, but they will come to campus and get in a welding booth, and they will physically weld in that welding booth. So now it becomes a scale of efficiency, correct? So how many students can I deal with and can I manage through that type of system? And, and that's all going to be done differently. So now we're developing ways that we can actually leverage the virtual learning that we have with the Vertex and how do I now do a weld demonstration via Zoom, WebEx, Google Hangout, or whatever while the students are at home, and I can demonstrate how to properly make that weld by using technology in a different way. And so when we can, when we, when we can adapt what we already have to, that, to the new learning environment we have to be in, that, that's one key component. So you're gonna see very, very quickly from us about how, to, how do you do that? What technology addition do you need to have to be able to turn that vertex into an online learning tool? But then secondly, it's gonna be about how do I hold my students accountable when they do come to campus? Because if, if you're looking at the student-teacher ratio, we may have to drive up those numbers to get a certain level of efficiency that we can maintain the program's overall effectiveness. Well, that accountability of the student coming into school may be now measured by the power source in the welding booth. How much arc time did the student have? What were they truly doing while they were in the booth? You know, were they engaged the whole time? And the same thing can be done with the Vertex or the virtual learning systems. We can track who was on the Vertex, what welds did they do, how did they progress through those welds, and how are they really progressing as a learner? And are, are they truly developing the skills that we want? So it's gonna bring, as we look at how to reimagine these technologies, it's gonna allow another level of accountability to be had in the school system, both by the instructor and by the student, to where we can better manage that learning cycle and really get those students to hone in on the skills they need to develop. And uh, I think that there's some, some incredible you know, ideas there, because you think about it, whether it's an educational organization or a manufacturer or really any type of business, I mean, thinking about training and skills development needs to happen continuously. 
And I think that idea of having that blended approach where, you know, remotely people can, can start to engage in content and you can start the learning experience, but then how do you make the most of that in-person work that's done, right? And that really being able to use technology to measure efficiency and make sure that you're making the most out of every in-person minute is so critical. And the fact that you're already thinking about that, maybe luckily already have the technology in place to help educators do that. Um, you know, that's a, that's a really powerful, powerful thing. Um, you know, so, you know, maybe to, to, to shift it to kind of the marketing and, and communication ops, you know, on this, because, you know, this is so relevant in the education space, but I even think about manufacturers educating their distributor networks, things like that. Sarah, how have you guys been driving content out to schools and, you know, other organizations that, that really need to, to tackle welding training? to make sure that you're taking your experiences and sharing them and getting out, getting them out there in a way that empowers your, you know, sphere in the market. So as you know, we worked with Dean Houston and we created a website with a, a ton of assets on it. So I, I, I'll back up a second. I said, just to say before we created that website, what, what it took was a lot of communication. So um, we had to make sure that, we were clear in what was truly happening at the Weld School. So for example, I took, Adam gave me a virtual tour and immediately I saw different things that we just need to make sure were highlighted to our customers. Um, we talked about things that worked and didn't work to make sure we were highlighting those to our customers. Um, and so what we did was we started with an outline on things that could be beneficial as a phase one, I guess, of this, of this website release. And we ended up with, I think, close to 15 different assets from simple podcasts uh, to webinars to um, signage. So that was a big thing when, when Adam walked me through the school and I was like, who made all the signs? And I had to work with the H&S and our legal team to make sure that you know, any signage that we created was uh, uh, approved. Um, but you still, you don't necessarily want black and white signage. You still want something that, that looks decent as, as, uh, you have a lot of customers coming in and students coming in. So, um, that would be another piece of, another asset piece of marketing material that, that I saw right off the bat too. Um, how to do a webinar. So that those tips and tricks that we wrote on how to do a webinar was because we did a webinar and we saw there were some issues and we did other, we were on other people's webinars and we were like, Ooh, that didn't go well. Uh, and so we thought, well, maybe this could work because, you know, ultimately instructors potentially are going to use some type of software to be able to communicate with their students. What's the best way to get, get message across. Right and to think through those things. Um, and then we have phase two coming that's gonna have some interactive activities. So that's been a pretty cool experience uh, with our curriculum team and also our instructors on, on uh, a topic that is, is not the easiest to learn by yourself off of a computer screen. Um, but with Dean Houston's help, we've made it so that it, it's great practice. Um, 
And then we also have a bunch of other assets coming. So really it was just the planning aspect and really putting together a good plan with a good outline and knowing who is the SME to make sure that, that, um, that we get the appropriate material created. Uh, that, that's incredible. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Sarah, but it sounds like the strategy was to be very transparent and generous mm-hmm. and thoughtful in the material that you were putting out into the marketplace. First and foremost, with the goal of just just being helpful, right? And and almost like, you know, altruistic to the point that you know we know that that everybody across the board is struggling with a lot of the same issues. Sounds like the real motive there was just trying to to help them learn from your experiences. Is that that correct? That's correct. So um, the background behind this whole thing is just to tell our story to help others. So it, it wasn't to give best best practices or recommendations because everyone uh, like you guys uh, in Chicago have totally different protocols than what we have in, in Cleveland, Ohio. So we have to make sure that we're cautious on those things that, that we always make sure that people go to their um, health departments and, and check the CDC websites. Uh, but we thought that if we told our story, that others would come and tell their story, which they have. Um, a lot of our customers have gotten hold of us to say, hey, we did this and we did that. And, and we're working with them to, to, to write up their story um, to help others, too. Now, and I, I know that, you know, being being helpful and, and you know, maybe providing an example of how an organization can kind of navigate this was the true goal. But, you know, you think about it and, and part of marketing and messaging is always sales, you know, and, and despite the fact that, you know, there's no question that wasn't the goal here. I mean, I have to imagine that this has created a lot of conversations between you and your marketplace. Is that that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen um, folks uh, reach out to us for the different classes that we offer. So we've seen uh, upticks and requests on those. Um, and, and realistically, there's nothing in, on our COVID site that talks about coming to our class necessarily outside of the safety procedures and protocols that they would see. Um, so we've had a lot of requests for um, uh, class information. Um, we've had requests for our virtual welding simulator. Um, and then uh, we, we've had a lot of folks reach out to us for more information or um, we, we have a portal also that, that people have reached out to us that has free material on it that's gonna be able to help them help their students. And then when they come back to school and they're able to utilize some of the other things on the portal like our consumables, um, they've been able to sign up on that portal. So we have seen that customers have reached out for various things. Um, but that wasn't necessarily the intention. No, and that, uh, you know, yeah, it definitely goes without saying in this situation that uh, the, the pushing, you know, any type of sales or anything like that was absolutely not the goal. But here's an interesting insight there for the audience, too, that, that kind of goes with the tenant of, of kind of the new, the new strategy of content marketing where, you know, be helpful and eventually, if you give, you'll you'll get something back too, right? And you know, well, that that wasn't the goal. I, I think that that is important to think about that that doing the right thing has its rewards, right? And that um, 
that's really powerful. So I, I know we're getting close to time here, Jason and Sarah, but, uh, you know, to, thanks so much for the time. But before we, we close this out, I mean, looking forward, uh, what are what are the things that you plan on on continuing to do? I know you hit on them with some new content creation and things like that. I mean, what are what are the things that are top of mind now that uh, things are finally starting to to reopen and recovery is looking a little bit more normal? Well, I think the big one is uh, just staying close to that market, just staying close to schools, and just trying to understand where are the pain points and how can we help alleviate the pain points. We're, we're not going to duplicate all the situations that public education will have to go through, nor some of our private schools that are dealing with um, the situations that they're in. But at least we can be an ear uh, as we learn and as we hear different things. We can share that information out there with the marketplace and, and really be a sounding board. Uh, our goal is, look, I mean, maybe, maybe it's a little greedy or a little, <laughs> a little fortuitous, but we're a welding company. We're going to survive when there are people that actually use our product to weld things together to make more product. So at the end of the day, I mean, we need skilled labor. We need people that are actually engaged in that market and, and, and coming out of schools that, that can go get jobs in that area. And so when you think about that, we, we, we believe that we're almost like a steward, if you will, and that as long as we can, can help the conversation and, and get information out there and, and keep our schools open, and keep those students learning, then we're gonna be fine at the end of the day. Um, we'll all be better off, we're all gonna learn through this, but again, just an open dialogue and communication will always help. Uh, that, uh, that's a great, great, you know, kind of closing statement there, Jason. I, I think, you know, every industry, regardless uh, of their position, I think if, if every organization took that stance that, you know, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna pay attention, we're gonna listen, and we're going to try and be a, a guidepost, um, you know, and tell our story for the greater good of the marketplace and the industry in general, then everybody wins, you know, and, and I think that that's really powerful. Um, you know, so sharing that story, I mean, I, I'm ex we're definitely excited to get this out to the audience because, you know, in a company like Lincoln Electric is really setting an example like this. I think that that is something that, that should and can be followed. Um, you know, so, so thanks so much for those insights. Um, you know, I don't know any closing statements here before we, we finally close it out. I mean, it's pretty tough to follow up what you just said, Jason. <laughs> no, thanks for your time to help us do this. Absolutely. And, and, and Sarah, that, uh, the, the story about how you guys went to market with some of these communications, you know, is absolutely incredible. Um, for our audience out there, do you have the, the URL where, uh, you know, maybe other manufacturers could check out a little bit about what Lincoln Education did? Yeah, uh, so it's education.lincolnelectric.com backslash COVID. So if you just go to education.lincolnelectric.com, uh, we're going to have a banner on the, on, the, on the front page that will get you there. Absolutely, and we'll, we'll make sure we get that in the description and everything so that, uh, that everybody can kind of see what uh, – what an organization of Lincoln's caliber has been doing. But uh, again, thank, thanks so much to both of you for the time here. And Well, we couldn't do it without you, Dean Houston. So. I, I appreciate that. Don't know if I believe you. The only thing we'll take credit for is I, I think you might have jumped in some of our webinars to learn what not to do. <laughs> no. 
But um, no, I, honestly, this was an, an incredible conversation full of a lot of great insights and, um, you know, very inspiring too, you know, no pun intended with this, the, the name of the podcast here being Inspire. But, uh, but I mean, just thinking about the, the idea of, of how can you give back to help make sure your industry is in a good place. I mean, if, if, if we all did that, I think we'd be better off. So thanks to both of you for setting the example. All right. Thank you, guys. Sarah, uh, Jason, always great talking to you. And uh, to the audience, we'll see you soon. Have a great one.